This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Alleluia Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for January. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Trevor, it feels like we're a real show again. Does, is that just me? Uh, that's something I feel. We have been putting out episodes to, with a level of consistency that it has become quite uncharacteristic for this program. This is also the first time we've reviewed a collaborator album since Get Ready for This. Oh, I don't Pills even want to hear and it. Thrills and belly aches back in 2018, 19? That was the last one we did? Yeah, other than that, it's been all Albarn tentpole releases. We did a blur record. I know, right? Well, I, I'd say it would feel good to be getting back to our roots, but the reason, you know, why we're doing this doesn't feel very good at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel good at all to say goodbye to such a, a brilliant, unique, one-of-a-kind genius. Uh, but there's time enough for all that. Let's have a little fun first, yeah? Sure, before we get to the, uh, I, this might be a little unorthodox, but before we get to the funeral, how about we uh, we pregame it with a little bit of a reception? <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Let's go over to the Gorillas News. It's all good news now. Well, Dylan, this is usually the corner where we, uh, where we, where we read the news. But as you can see, I've for this episode specifically, I have kind of remade it over to be the Howley, the official Hallelujah Monkeys culinary corner. White tablecloth. I saw a, a handsome young gentleman wandering around with a silver platter in a tux with tails earlier. Very yeah. I, very I got him fancy. on Craigslist. You can get anything on there these days. Oh yeah, the black market for for human rental is is insane right now with half the country out of work. Yep, all these uh, all these out of work uh, table servers and busboys who are usually in the restaurants don't have the work because the whole economy shut down. So they're they're doing anything they can, including offering tableside service for podcasts now. Now, anybody who has listened to the last several episodes of this podcast would know that you and I have been very excited about this product. We ordered it the day that it dropped, and then it took a little while to get to us, but it is here. Took a long time to get to you in particular. I think I got it before you did, didn't I? Yeah, you got it at least a week before me. I was very excited to see these things show up in the mail, though. I have three bottles in front of me right now, one one green, one deep red, one slightly less deep red, of Hobbs Hot Sauce. Delicious and piping hot in only three microwave minutes. Are you kidding? Oh yeah, it's time for uh, Hot Ones with a Z, or whatever you want to call this segment. <laughs> Oh yeah, did you are you doing the chicken thing tonight? What's your what's your medium? No, I didn't end up doing that. Uh, I know you're going with tortilla chips, is that right? That's I've got some uh, Carmen's brand tortilla chips made in my native Eugene, Oregon here. Very expensive, only the best. I didn't want to go with the exact thing that you had because I thought, you know, I'd offer the listeners a little bit of variety, show them how that how it tastes on two different kinds of foods. So I uh, whipped up a nice plate of crunchy french fries. Oh, perfect. Who doesn't love them, hot sauce on french fries? Only please. I made them in my very fancy air fryer. 
Oh, I, I've got one of those too. Listen to us. We're like a Martha Stewart podcast now. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually make them in an air fryer. I don't understand how those things work, and I refuse to eat <laughs> any kind of food if I don't understand the method by which it was cooked. I was so excited that you might have become a basic bitch like me, but I guess not yet. It fries it with air? I, I don't get it. Uh, what do you think the progression should be here? Because there is, on the label here, it does list the relative heat levels of these three. Should we just go mildest to hottest? That's I, that's going to be the move here, I think, which means we're starting with kind of the one I'm most interested in, this uh, pickle trickle. Certainly the, the most intriguing. I'm sure I'm playing a Seattle pickle underneath this right now. Do you want to uh, do you want to read the label or should I? Because they all have cool little blurbs on them. Let's let's trade off on them. Do you have a are you particularly moved by the spirit to read the label for Pickle Trickle? I can read the Pickle Trickle label. Here I go. Pickle Trickle, inspired by Murdoch Nickel, finds the good in the green. A mild chili sauce with jalapenos and pickles to give it Murdoch's patented surprise. Surprise! They are in all caps. Crispy, tangy, and sweet puts the oomph in sandwich. Pop the top and trickle on potato salad, beef tacos, burgers, sandwiches, or just straight into your gob. Wow, just tipping it back. Just tipping it back like a Bronson's cocktail. I feel like gob is like a classic part of the Murdoch lexicon. How grossed out are you by the name Pickle Trickle, or is it just like amusing? I'm actually like quite a big fan of pickles. You know, I'll, I'll dip into the fridge, pick one out for like a little snack. So I've been looking forward to this one. Okay, uh... I don't know what to expect here. I've never had a pickle-based hot sauce before, and I'm open. All right, so do you want to go first, or should I go first, or should we time it so that we're taking our bites at the same time? Let's time it. I just put, like, about a somewhere between a nickel and a quarter-sized dollop on a chip here. Cool. I just poured a little bit out on the plate, and I'm currently rubbing a fry in it. So I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Into the hatch, buddy. Three, two, one. Okay, so not what I would describe as hot, really. Mm-mm, mm-mm. There is a little bit of an afterkick to it. Like, I'm, I'm getting like a small amount of tingles on my tongue right now. A little bit on the tongue, a little bit on the tongue, and also somehow I was imagining this to have more of a relishy consistency. I could see that based on what it looks like, but it, it really is kind of just like a sweet chili. It's not too far off from like a classic Mexican verde sauce. I mean... It is very vinegar and salt forward, so like pickle tracks. I'm not no problem. Yeah, I'm not sure if I feel like my pickle has been trickled though. Does it it doesn't read as weird as I wanted it to read. Yeah, I mean for a Murdoch themed hot sauce, you want it to taste I don't know what you want it to taste like, but something funky. But I could see using this on any number of those things. What did they say? Crunchy tacos. Oh yeah, I'm sure that I'll finish the bottle. Now, weirdly enough. Pickle trickle, that's a fun idea. Is there anything more basic than a label that just says Chipotle? I, I, I've been scratching my head over this one. Like, they couldn't come up with something better than just Chipotle. Like, there's not even a gorilla's joke there. I mean, I can't freestyle one right now. Maybe I'll try. Okay, Chipotle is smoky, right? So, like... Maybe, like, smoke coming out of the monkey's head? I don't know. That'd work pretty okay, yeah. I'll go ahead and read the label, see if it gives us any insight, Trevor. All right. Chipotle, the smoky fire that takes you higher. 
smooth and miraculous as Mr. Robinson himself. A mild to hot chili sauce made with chipotles. Complex, smoky, and tasty. Made for Mexican feasts, summer barbecues, winter casseroles, and whatever you feel in between. So I am I am a, like classically a fan of chipotle-flavored sauces, so I'm expecting to do pretty well with this one. I, I'm smelling this one as I open this bottle. It's got a very like artificial smoke kick, in my opinion. That's true. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. Take a bite. Yeah, let's do it. Hang on. I'm putting it on a chip. Oh, much thicker. I like the thickness. This is a medium, by the way. Okay. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Hmm. Don't love it. Yeah, that's less sweet than I was expecting from like a Chipotle. Yeah, I don't know what how to describe what I'm tasting. It just, it like, this isn't going to make any sense, but it tastes like brown. Yeah, it's got like a, a carbony, smoky thing. There mm-hmm. is some sweet. Does it really read any hotter than the pickle trickle to you? It doesn't to me. Not really at all, no. Hmm. I don't know, man. But if you want a hot sauce, maybe we should crack open this third bottle of ghost-based killer. All right. Okay. I guess you're going to read this label. Is this is this going to be like the classic Hallelujah Monkey's bad idea? Like, are we fucked for the rest of this episode? I guess we'll find out. All I know is that this is a bangin' brew with the Barn Fathers crew. Hot. With multiple T's. When it's hot, it's flaming. When it's cold, it's ice. Sweet, spicy, and simply scary. Beware. Add some soul to salads, breakfast, burgers, pizzas, wings, curries, ramen, even other sauces. So just like you're making a Mornay and then you're like, you know what? Gonna drop a little ghost base killer in there. How much are you putting on your chip? I'm gonna put like a, a probably a dumbly decent amount on this. Sure, I'll go I'll go the same route. Maybe like a little less than the size of a penny. This is very thick. Very pasty. I was expecting this to be the thinnest. Not much of an odor. Little bit like maybe a habanero-y smell. Doesn't give you a lot to go on. All right, I got mine on my chip. I'm ready when you are. Three, two, one, bite. Again, I can't say this one offers much in the flavor department. Flavor-wise, oh, I filled in my throat a little. <clears throat> Flavor-wise, I think I like this best of the three. Let me try it one more time. It's subtle, though. There's not like, it doesn't hit you in the face. It is subtle. It definitely has more of a flavor than the Chipotle. But I don't feel like it's very hot. It's a little hotter than the other two. I'm mostly just feeling it in the back of my throat, not really in my mouth. I like that flavor. I would dress a I would dress a, a wing in that. That's nice. Yeah, now that I'm letting it kind of sink in after I've had it, I, I will say it's probably the uh, my favorite of these three sauces. I might make a Buddha bowl with this in it later. So is it fair to say that we're agreed uh, maybe Ghostface Killer is the best? Pickle Trickle at number two, and then the Chipotle at number three. I think that we are on the same page when it comes to Hobbs Hot Sauce. Hey, Russell, not bad for your first entry into, you know, packaged foodstuffs. Yeah, pretty pretty decent first go at it, Russell. I hope there's another line. Maybe this year, you know, season two Song Machine, season two of Hobbs Hot Sauce. Yeah, let like 2D throw some together or something. I bet they'd come out really weird. Definitely. Or maybe they'll do like a crossover with with Murdoch's brand of pickles and do some spicy pickles together. I would definitely buy a jar of Nichols pickles. Now, let's 
really bring the room down, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't even know how we're going to talk about this, man. It has been such a bummer thinking about it ever since it happened uh, late last year. When that news hit, dude, like, it hit me like a semi-truck. I yeah. could think of nothing else. We're talking, of course, about the late, the great Daniel Dumoulin, a.k.a. MF Doom, a.k.a. Victor Vaughn, a.k.a. King Ghidra, a.k.a. I don't even know what else by this point. Who knows what else? Who knows what else? The man was uh, was a titan in the, in the art, hip-hop, world and definitely like one of the most unforgettable maybe my personal favorite gorillas collaborator um you know gorillas really introduced me to mf doom trevor me too i'm in the same boat and not only was he my favorite gorillas collaborator probably like the favorite artist that i've discovered as a result of getting into that band i'm so thankful for november has come for demon days for introducing me into that world because i you know, I went straight to Mad Villainy from there. I was, what, 15, 16? And that album, I think, was a real turning point for me just, like, embracing music that maybe didn't skew as pop as the stuff I was used to. Artier stuff, more challenging stuff, mind-expanding stuff. I really owe a lot of my taste, I think, to MF Doom, and I guess by extension to Gorillaz. Yeah, he's been such a constant presence in my life, and I've grown so accustomed to his music that I I frequently like forget and overlook just how experimental it is, and and the kind of the like vast world of different sounds that it really introduced me to. It's so painful. It was also so strange, and also in a way like commendable to learn that Doom had actually died on Halloween last year, and then his family just kind of didn't make it public for the following two months. Which is pretty par for the course when it comes to, like, the way we found out anything about the guy, right? Like, he was a very secretive individual, and he kept a lot of his personal details to himself, like, beyond just wearing a mask whenever he appeared in public. And of course, that had the benefit of like imbuing his character, the masked supervillain, with a real credibility, you know? Yeah. Like his origins being the stuff of rumors and, you know, patches of, of information. A lot of rappers like create personas through which they perform, but I don't think you can say any rapper has come anywhere close to being a real, like, living version of that persona than doom was and what we know about the man behind the mask is that he was a really dedicated and sweet father we we occasionally we get these like little chapters in the doom story trevor where it would almost seem like doom's real life was becoming that of a comic book character you know like i mean you know you've got the the transformation from zev love x from the old days of his pre-MF Doom rap group in the 1990s KMD into MF Doom, the masked supervillain. But then there's these other things. Like you would hear uh, stories about Doom, like agreeing to make a record with somebody and then just ghosting them, disappearing for a year. Yep. You'd hear stories that uh, he was sending doubles of himself to perform at his own shows. The Doom posters, of course. That was probably what he was like, almost most known for within the past 10 years or so that was it was very controversial and then eventually like it trickled out we learned that he was living on a private island which is very yep. super villain real super villain shit you know he's like a not, not not only like a like a marvel comic superhero but like basically like a real life bond villain or something but what we've learned is that 
while those chapters, you know, help build up the myth of MF Doom, behind those chapters, Trevor, was a life marked often by hardship and by tragedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talked about his transition from Zevlov X into MF Doom. Like, what a lot of people talk about when they talk about that transformation was what a rough period of his life Doom was going through uh, back then and how his supervillain persona was really birthed out of all of that like trauma. By period of his life, it's almost a lost decade because KMD made that first uh, record. They had a modest hit with Peach Fuzz. They were about done recording the second record when his brother, Subrock, who was a member of KMD, was, was hit by a car and killed. Uh, and then the label dropped. KMD didn't put out that second album. Doom was homeless uh, for much of the the following years. I think that was also the period where he like wrecked his voice via like alcohol abuse too, right? Like he went from having a really a much higher delivery on those old KMD records, and when he showed back up as MF Doom, it was like a very low and raspy. This this dry monotone that would start to come out of him that was like unforgettable extremely signature but again you know the the outgrowth of of hardship of of trouble in his life and the transformation into mf doom was a very willful act of reinvention of like i've been lost for a long time i'm coming back as this new persona okay so well first of all doom like ghosting on collaborators you know and and people would be like i gave that guy forty thousand dollars to make a record he never gave me anything and he wouldn't return my calls we later found out that Doom's oldest son, uh, Malachi Doomalay, was fighting like a protracted illness that would eventually take his life uh, at, at age 14. And Doom walked away from his career essentially to be by his side and be a father for him through that uh, period. Then the Doom clones happen. What we eventually find out also is that Doom was born in London, uh, but you know, moved to New York before he was one years old. And basically because he had like outstanding possession charges and other, you know, lame ass criminal offenses that are basically only used to target and harass black people in this country. Uh, he went on a European tour and tried to come home and the U S government would not let him back into the country. Yeah. I remember all these news items like coming out over the past 10 years. It seemed like for a long time, if you were hearing news about MF doom, it was like pretty sad and tragic. So these things, these like, Oh, where's doom? Doom lives on us on his own Island. Doom, uh, you know, doom sending clones to his shows. These are all byproducts of a, of a, a not the easiest life that this guy had and i can't help but getting this feeling that we just didn't know what we fucking had with this guy and the world should have been a lot better to him yeah i mean maybe we would have gotten more material from him over the past 10 or 15 years or so if nothing else it would have made his life a lot easier you know originally when this news dropped you know i reached out to you i said hey we should we should review a Doom album instead of what we were going to review. And I pitched Mad Villainy. Which would have been which would have been a great choice. I mean, that's a that's an amazing album. It would have been a great follow-up to our last our review of uh our, the last Doom album that we talked about, Danger Doom, all the way back in that like more than one Gorillas collaborator season. I think there's a surface logic to that. I even saw some people in our Discord saying, Are you guys gonna do Mad Villainy because Doom died? But you you 
I think, thought about things a little deeper and really had the right move here. Yeah, I think if you are going to review an album by MF Doom, specifically in the light of his recent passing, the the go-to choice there would be one of the records he released under his own, not his own name, but, you know, his most prevalent alias, MF Doom. And when I think of those records, no one, none of them strike me as a better choice than MM Food. Peace, what up? Y'all know who the super villain is. Distortion the static, stay tuned. Yeah, we got a new album out. Uh, just dropped uh, a couple days ago. You know, it's called Mmm Food, for those that don't know, on uh, Rhymeshares Entertainment. Um, you know, typical stuff you could expect from a villain. Beats and rhymes, you know what I'm saying, a little bit of humor. I don't want to spoil it. Y'all go check it out, you know, we'll definitely be satisfied, you know what I'm saying? Food. We need food. <sighs> I, I think that, like... MM food or M food or however you want to call it. I really think that this is the doom record we all need to be spending time with right now. Yeah, it is like you wouldn't really expect it to be, but it is by far, I think, or at least I've discovered over the past year as I've, I've been listening to it. Uh, because like I have gone through like, I don't know, weird little doom kicks over the course of the past year, even before his passing was announced. And whenever I found myself wanting to listen to some doom, I, I picked this one for some reason. And I think what really kept me going back to it was that it is, in a way, like his most personal record. You know, I think that one, for one, I think Food has the most to gain in how people see it and regard it now in the wake of Doom's death, based, you know, against everything else in his catalog. Because um, Doom's legacy, when you hear people talk about Doom with this adulation and this, like, incredible respect and awe a lot in large part that legacy is kind of pinned to this very intensely productive like extended two-year-long season in his career where his output was really prolific and also just like exceptionally high quality yeah he was releasing things under like four different aliases during this period you had the mf doom one of course king Ghidorah. Ghidorah was the beginning of the hot streak in 2003. And yeah, he did Victor Vaughn. He he did the Mad Villainy team up. He did the Danger Doom team up. That's during this time. He also does November Has Come. Yep. You know, all of those records are considered to be of like exceptional quality. And if you, you could definitely meet somebody who would call any one of them their favorite Doom album, and you you really couldn't come at them for that opinion. They're all very good. Uh but I think it's so important that 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 food is in that run because for one, it's a solo to work in terms of like you know the majority of the rapping and the production, but it's also just like that it is canonically the MF Doom project from that era. It makes it like very important to that run, in my opinion. Definitely, and I think it's the MF Doom project from that era for a reason. You know, I think it makes sense that he didn't choose to release this one under any kind of other alias even though it is like a very conceptual work in a way that's kind of separate from it being by mf doom i think like when i think of what i know about mf doom the character i feel like i learn a lot of it on this record yeah i think that some people like 
tend to think of Operation Doomsday as the real, like, autobiographical doom work or the real, like, behind-the-curtains doom work. And there's plenty of, of that stuff on Operation Doomsday on his 2000, like, MF Doom coming out party album. But this is very much a successor to that record and a refinement on that record. And now it just feels like with Doom being gone, that this record feels so much more precious and also much easier to open up and like look inside of and see it for what it really was. Like, I think when I just viewed this as any one of the other Doom records in that crazy run, it was maybe a little easier tempting to write this off as like a goofy concept food album. Um, which, you know, to an extent it is, mm-hmm. it, but, but he's oftentimes writing in such a disarmingly personal and revelatory way on here. And I think if you want an, a, a document that can show you like who MF doom was, what he could achieve as an artist, you know, both as a producer and as an MC, I think this is like the purest distillation. I'm so glad that you had the insight to do food as as the record that we're doing to like pay tribute to the man. I'm glad that we're finally sitting down to talk about it. Do you want to do you want to get into the record, start opening it up, and talk about our gorillatives? Absolutely, absolutely. I decided to use uh, three words that you could use to describe food. Oh, very good. The first one is sharp. Uh, the conceptual focus here from song to song is pretty unusual for the Doom catalog. You know, a great many of these songs are like focused on a subject and like very, very, you know, investigatory of those subjects. But also, of course, his wit is so sharp. His mind is so sharp. I just think sharp is a good word for this record. It's definitely surprisingly lucid and focused for an MF Doom record, at least coming at it like from the perspective of two people who have previously reviewed a record as dense as Danger Doom. My second derivative is dry. Doom's monotone and his wit and like that lo-fi tape quality of all the beats, all of that stuff feels extremely dry to me. There's a dryness to this album. Totally. And finally, the last one is herbaceous. Because, I mean, come on, man. Doom beats, Doom verses, like, you could, you could smoke weed to nothing else for the rest of your life and be a happy camper. Can you think of the last type of food you described as herbaceous? Sure, I made a chimichurri recently that was quite herbaceous. That can be a pretty herbaceous dish. Uh, let me go into my gorillatives. I've got two that kind of speak for themselves, and one uh, that I want to go a little more in-depth into, but we've already kind of covered some of it, so. The first one is uh, culinary, which, you know. Of course. Yeah. The second one is funny. I think a lot of this record is supposed to make you laugh, and that it usually succeeds whatever it tries to do so. Like, there are some jokes in the sound collage sections of this album that, even though I've heard them, like, dozens and dozens of times by this point, I still find them extremely amusing. Yeah, there's still lots of spots on this record where I find myself giggling. And my third girl tips, I, I, I kind of jumped back and forth between uh, this one and Candid, but I ultimately went with Congenial. Ooh. Because I, I think, like we've been saying, mm, Food is, like, easily the most listener-friendly album Doom has made. You know, one thing that you and I both discovered when we review, when we reviewed The Mouse and the Mask is that Doom's music isn't always like the easiest material to sit down and analyze. His raps are really dense and Extremely. Like, they, always, they always sound cool, but if you try and sit down and parse out what he's saying, you'll frequently find that his subject matter is like very obtuse. And at one point on this record, he claims to like 
take pride in code code words. That, that's a very yeah, that's a very key lyric. I yeah, think. you get the impression he enjoys challenging his listeners. Uh, but I think MM Food is like one of the least challenging releases in his catalog. Like a lot of the tracks are more transparently about things than the songs on albums like Mad Villainy or Danger Doom are. And it also feels like uh, Doom kind of like has his defenses down a little bit on this one. Like when I think about songs where Doom is rapping about his past or how he legitimately feels about certain subjects, I mainly think about songs on this album. And like he even gets like surprisingly vulnerable on some of the tracks, like especially when he raps about being poor or missing his brother or how little he trusts other people. Uh, but I really think like the uh, the prevailing tone of the album is like surprisingly friendly for a guy who bills himself as a super villain. It's kind of like the musical equivalent of Doom inviting you over his apartment and cooking you a bunch of really good food and showing you fantastic foreign Herculoid cartoons. Yeah, one of the things that I think makes this such a special release. You want to get into this this track by track? That's how we do it. That's how we're paying tribute to the man. Yeah, it feels like we've got a big one to start with, too. First track on this album. Beef rap can lead to getting teeth capped or even a reef from armed dudes on some beef crap. I suggest to change the diet. It can lead to high blood pressure if you fry or even a stroke. Heart attack, heart disease. It ain't no starting back once arteries start to squeeze. We're already cracking my top three, Trevor. Beef rap, my number three on the record. I expected to see this one in here. I know it's a very popular choice for a favorite song from this record. It was the one. Uh, it was the one. Meat Meatwad sang or rapped at uh, at the end of uh, Danger Doom. Who could forget? Who could forget when Meatwad does the opening bars of Beef Rap? In my in my opinion, just a just a great way to start the record. I mean, I think that this is oh yeah, this is more than any of them the Doom album that has a real shape to it, like a real intentional progression to it. And and I think why I think Beef Rap is the great is the perfect starting point for Food is basically three things. One, I mean structurally, it starts with this very extended like Plunderphonics sketch that kind of serves as the intro of the record yeah that that intro montage is really something there's a lot packed in there my favorite part though is like the very long sample from that from the 1983 movie wild style which is the first thing you hear the guy's going now i've been eating all day man how am i gonna do this man yeah don't wait for him man don't wait for i'll tell you what man come with me now and you know i'll get you some lunch oh man you guys can't just wait half an hour. Yo, I'll be back, man. I'm just going to munch up a little bit, man. I'm pretty hungry. Yo, let him come back. Love it. It almost seems like he's going off to listen to this record or something. You know? Something like that. And then you get all the, the Spider-Man uh, samples. Those are from uh, an episode of the 1982 Spider-Man animated series titled Canon of Doom. Canon of Doom. All, all, Not only much of the dialogue, but the beat, too. And something I've done here today, Trevor is I've, cr- I've pulled the source samples for, like, the main ingredients of all of these beats. Cool. I know that you'll be editing this episode, so I'm actually quite excited to listen to all these. Oh, I was going to drop some because I think they're fun to react to. Yeah, do it. Okay, here's here's Beef Rap's main ingredient. Against me. Watch it carefully, Boris. I have special plans for that one. I was actually surprised to learn that this one was from a Marvel cartoon. Like, 
if you had asked me, I would have definitely guessed that it was from like a Godzilla movie because I know he is also apt to sample those. I also thought that there, like my first read on this sample was I thought it came from like a funk or a soul song. That little bing dee 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 dee. Oh, I can what see a that good, too. What a good flip. What yeah. a great flip. Yeah. Iconic beat. Not one of my favorite beats on the album, I do have to admit. Like I tend to prefer when Doom is rapping over like jazzy stuff or funky stuff rather than when he's rapping over like cartoon music totally one of my favorite beats on the record and i and i think that the third reason why beef rap is such a great way to start is that all three of these verses are just so good so fun so memorable just some of his best verses on wax the verses really are like like exemplary when it comes to this album they're definitely some of the best on the record and they like he hits you with them one after the other two do you have any favorite lines you want to go through yeah i definitely do um Let's just like high level talk about beef rap is basically about uh well it exemplifies the mm food concept sort of where it's both about a kind of food and then a metaphor based on that food and this time the food is beef and the metaphor is for rap beefs right which would have been like a kind of a rising phenomenon in the hip hop scene back around then like in the aftermath of all the Nas and Jay Z stuff. Yeah, because in the 90s, when it was like East versus West clashing, that stuff was called feuds mostly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Jay-Z and Nas, some of those really ushered in this era of the rap beef. Not violent, but lots of shit talking, you know? Right. And throughout this song, uh, Doom kind of compares the negative repercussions of eating unhealthy food with the consequences of beefing with him. He has a really good quote about this song and on the the subject of rap beef, so I'm going to read it for you. He said, uh, I just think it's a funny word. I don't get angry at this point, so rap beef is like whatever. The challenge is what it's about with me, the challenge of being such a tricky topic to handle. Also the double entendre with the word beef. Anger just isn't something I deal with. I read a lot of MF Doom interviews while preparing for this episode, and he he spends a lot of time in his interviews stressing how he never gets mad or angry i do kind of buy it though you know it's hard to imagine doom flipping his lid if anything he gets like mildly annoyed in an amused way as for bars that i wanted to look at there's some very good doom science on this first verse you remember back on danger doom in vats of urine when doom taught us how we can use our urine to make potassium nitrate for gunpowder i do this time he tells you that you can use tinfoil a brillo pad and two batteries to boil the water in your prison toilet (laughs) so that you can cook food while you're in prison good to know <laughs> also in the second verse, uh, you know, every now and then like Doom would drop a very good like catchphrase MF Doom summary bar that would like define him his character. Mm-hmm. Verse two really kicks off with a good one. He wears a mask just to cover the raw flesh, a rather ugly brother with flows that gorgeous. Very good. Gorgeous, gorge us. Very, very clever. He follows that up with a drop dead joints, hit the whips like bird shit, which is so good. <laughs> Some of my favorites are uh, early on when he says beef rap could lead to getting teeth capped or even a wreath for mom dukes on some grief crap. I suggest you change your diet. It can lead to high blood pressure if you fry it or even a stroke, heart attack, heart disease. It ain't no starting back once arteries start to squeeze, which again, stuff like getting your teeth capped. That could be a result of, you know, eating too much sugar or it could be a result of 
beefing with MF Doom. Really smart uh, imagery reference to bring up the funeral wreath mm-hmm. uh, being sent to the mom, grieving you because you beefed with Doom. I also really like uh, top bleeding. Maybe fella took the loaded rod gears. Stop feeding babies colored sugar coated lard squares. <laughs> like Pop Tarts, I guess. Well, all throughout this uh, album, I feel like there's a metaphor for like real rap music being substantial food. And, like, the fake stuff that everybody else is putting out being, like, highly processed junk that's bad for you. Definitely, definitely. So when he's saying, like, stop feeding babies colored sugar-coated lard squares, he's like, hey, stop playing the kids that stuff that's on the radio. Playing, playing some Doom. And this was, like, 2004, so the pop rap thing was going yeah. crazy, the Nelly stuff and all that. I think, I think the best diss on the track, though, is... The 50 Cent one? No, yuck is the... Well, yeah, actually, it is, I think. Yeah. Yuck is they rhymers are stripping males out of work jerks since they shut down Chippendales. Such a good bar. And yeah, there were so many buff shirtless rappers at uh-huh. that time. <laughs> he follows that up with one of my favorite bars on the record, too, when he goes, this one goes out to all my people skipping bail, dipping jail, whipping tail, and sipping ale. Very salt of the earth. Very Really good. Very wings in the pizza pasta wings equation. Sure. Definitely, you know, definitely a great iconic opener. Like I said, not not really my favorite beat that he's done, but it does make for like an appropriately bombastic intro to the album. It's like a beat that's fit for a supervillain. Already we're off and I'm 100% sold on the concept. He's in peak form in his writing. Let's move right into this next track. What do you think about Ho Cakes? Keep your holes in check. girl and she wants me to duka i told her i'll come scoop her around eight she said that sounds great shorty girl's a trooper no matter what i needed to do she'd be like hoecakes i think this is like a solid enough track too and i'm glad this one is like sonically very different from the last track but it's never been one of my favorite songs from the record again my main problem is the with the beat specifically the beatboxing and the super ad lib both of which like get old for me a little too fast huge fan of both of them i do want to play this flip for you okay so this comes from uh, the 1987 uh, rap single Supersonic by all-female rap quartet J.J. Fad. J.J. Fad, I believe, get like a couple shout-outs throughout this entire album. Listen to how he uses the transition uh, as part of his flip. Because this beat that he's sampling is from like the silly intro sketch of the song. Great, let's hear it. Let's just know he flips it. It's not real hard, it's plain and simple, baby D. Supersonic. Supersonic. He uses that first beat after that supersonic as part of the beat, the super, the poof, that snare that happens right there. I love this flip. I love how the syncopation is so sloppy. I feel like most producers and rappers would probably like run screaming from a loop that's like so out of the pocket rhythmically. Mm-hmm. But you can imagine that's like exactly what drew do what drew Doom to this this loop. And I think he sounds excellent over it. I also think that layering that very smooth and and beautiful and melodic bass line underneath it from I think it's from an Anita Baker song is what really gives this beat its flavor. It almost... Which is appropriate, right? Sampling sampling an artist named Baker on your food-based album. Smart. That's, that's from uh, Sweet Love by Anita Baker. Sweet Love, thank you. It, all, it almost feels like the most Kanye pull that Doom ever made. It's got that kind of college dropout 
through graduation quality that doom 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 yeah definitely especially because he also like does the move of speeding up that loop to make the beat what do you think about the subject matter here (laughs) because I guess doom kind of summarizes it with the opening line keep your hoes in check yeah I mean you know as a as a feminist it's not the like the wokest song on the album but like it, he gets some good jokes in very good wordplay in the title though because like hoe cakes are basically they're like a pancake that you know slaves historically and sometimes cowboys would make by literally pouring batter onto their farming hoes and then holding them over the fire uh you know obviously i learned that specifically for this episode obviously one half of the entendre is ho because we all know what a hoe means but you might have forgotten if you weren't alive back then that cakes is a popular term for like a thick booty so ho cakes oh yeah and ho i feel cakes. like that's definitely come back in vogue within the past couple of years maybe so maybe you're right uh, we reviewed this kind of like Doom versus women song on Danger Doom, right? No Names was kind of like this. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think he, he fared any better on like the feminism scale back then either. No, but I do think this is a stronger piece of writing than, than sure. No Names was. You know, whatever. Doom is my problematic king. I will always stand. Yeah. And like you said, like uh, Doom is very sharp on this entire album and... He approaches the subject matter like this is an early example of that i think because this is like a very focused song all the way through like you get what he's talking about love whenever doom makes fun of his own looks and i'm a big fan of the bar uh looked like a black wookie when he let his beard grow weirdo brown skinned always kept his hair low rumor has it it's an s curl accident <laughs> that's a that's a classic one my fa- my favorite uh, my favorite lyric is average MCs is like a TV blooper MF Doom he's like DB Cooper out with the moolah you know who DB Cooper yes, is of, of course, course right the the man who stole a bunch of money and then parachuted out of a plane never to be seen again just makes me think about Doom like jumping out of a plane with like a huge briefcase of cash very cool that's that's a that's a great reference to make in a rap song what a smack yourself in the forehead mo- like rhyme too like how did nobody get to TV blooper DB Cooper before MF Doom <laughs> what a what a genius he was I also like really love the ending of this song the when he talks- I'm a big fan no not the outro. I mean the last line where he says while he's running down to all-star weekend to ball I'm coming with the U-Haul Basically telling a girl he's been pimping out, let me know when your basketball player boyfriend's out of town for a game so I can come with a U-Haul and steal all his stuff. <laughs> I'm a big fan of this outro skit. All of the all of the Doctor Doom stuff, I feel like my brain is so poisoned by our political climate, but all of it is so Trumpy to me. All of the Doctor Doom oh, stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. And in this one, it's like J. Jonah Jameson wants to buddy up with doom even though doom's an obvious supervillain. you know it's free enterprise he says <laughs> i didn't know that that was supposed to be j jonah jameson until like looking up the lyrics but i was very thrilled to find out that it is i love my favorite part is when doom goes when he's when he's like hey how long is it gonna take doom and doom's like don't make that mistake again and jj goes sure i know what you mean it's just like a yeah, real that is, that's my favorite part of the skit too it's a real bend the knee that he reminds me of the my pillow guy who loves donald trump i would not advise you to repeat that error <laughs> Very it's good. a good one not 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 one of my favorite songs but like i said a very like solid track to be like at this point in the album i think i think the hits keep on coming with pot holders very close to my top three just missed it i strive 
to be humble lest I stumble. Yes, this is another one that just missed my top three. This is like the first song on the album that I really, really love. Doom's chemistry with Count Basie here is just so winning, and Doom's verse is like a tactical missile strike. Like, thematically, it feels like it's a little bit close to beef rap, but the angle that it takes on the subject is pretty different. It's a real highlight. I think this whole opening run is 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 full of highlights. Uh, this is not a Doom beat. This Count Basie made this beat, so I'm not going to play the source, but there is some good trivia behind the flip. Can I tell you about it? Sure. I, I know a little bit about this one, and I feel like there's like a, a little, there's a bit of a question mark behind it. Okay, so... It, the loop here is based around a song called 400 Girls Ago from a very unusual album. Uh, so in 1972, Galt McDermott, who was the writer of the musical Hair, did a sci-fi rock opera called Via Galactica. And up to that point, it was the biggest Broadway flop of all time. Like, it, re- nobody was having it. This flip comes from an album released the next year by soul jazz guitar legend Billy Butler, where he reinterpreted every song from the failed musical Via Galactica as, like, little soul jazz jams called Billy Butler Plays Via Galactica. <laughs> Okay. That just, is a weird story. Some real crate digger shit. Like you could imagine yeah. if you're a crate digger a hip hop producer, you find that record, you're like, mine, mine. So is that what most of the music is from? Because I know it also samples uh Ain't No Half Steppin' by Big Daddy Kane. Specifically the aw shit is from that. And I believe it also samples uh Still, Still DRE Dre. by Dr. Dre. Yeah, the which is interesting because the guitar sound in the loop sounds a little bit like the guitar sound from Still Dre. It does, but I also found somebody on the internet who said that it does not sample Still Dre. It actually samples a common song with Jay Dilla, Heat. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I I got as far as that one drop is from Still Dre and I didn't dig any further. It's a it's like my favorite beat on the album so far though. Like as good as Doom is on this one between the fact that he produced the beat and the verses he drops, Count Base D like really runs away with this track for me. A real MVP. He's not the features artist on this album that people talk about the most, but I do think, yeah, he might be the MVP when it comes to the album's guests. I agree. I also think that I did dig into the meaning behind the song, and I my read on this is that this is kind of about letting go of your old grudges. Kind of different from Beef Rap. You know, with the potholders kind of standing in for boxing gloves uh, on the repeated line, don't forget your potholders, like as in, you know, be prepared to fight. Sure. I've seen them compared to that. I've seen them prepared to roach clips because they're holding hot shit. The best part of the song for me is the handoff at the end of Base D's like intro into Doom's verse when Base D goes like, lunch for your knife don't forget your pot holders and doom goes what these old things about to throw them away with the gold rings that make them don't fit like oj usually i take them off with oil of olay mcs as crabs in a barrel past the old bay fantastic verse like it's so good worth breaking that bar down so mm-hmm. he's about to throw away his old grudges his pot holders because the success that he's seen makes all that shit seem really petty to him now. You know, he's got so many gold rings that those old, old pot potholders don't even fit anymore, you know? Like like the glove that didn't fit O.J. Simpson. In and, the murder trial. Yeah. And and uh, a final noting that, you know, rappers tend to try and drag each other down. Crabs in a bucket. Vince Staples used the same metaphor. Mm-hmm. But that Doom is above them 
quite literally on the food chain. So he's like, you know what? You guys keep pulling each other's down. I'm going to cannibalize you motherfuckers. It's so good. It's one of the best doom eating other rappers bars the man ever wrote. Yeah, it definitely is like one, like I feel like one of the smartest sequences of lyrics on the album too. So good. Bass D though, very smooth, very smooth. He's and so he, good. And keep it up. Keep it up with doom in the, in the, the lyrical department in my opinion i like his verse just as much as mf dooms on this one there's this one part in like the long verse he takes towards the end of the song which i really love where he just says 28 years have passed i feel i'm peaking i make music every weekend that's which like it's so good and the fact that he says i make music every weekend like not all the time just like every weekend it speaks to something that i i have strong feelings about when it comes to this entire like supporting cast that doom has put together for this album and it's that none of them feel very professional they're all they just middle like, class they're all very yeah, he, working class rappers not even like you know yeah not even professional musicians and i know like count base d is a professional musician i actually listened to one of his solo albums while preparing for this one and it was very good that was dwight spitz uh, i definitely recommend people check it out if they like his contribution to this song but the fact that he says, I make music every weekend, implies that he spends his weeks doing something else. Yeah, it makes he has a day job. Yeah, and it makes me think about like all those people who do have day jobs, but like use what free time they have to pursue a craft that they that they like get better and better at by sinking like the only available free time they have into it. And it makes me wonder if like you know, if that's some proof that those kind of people almost love the art form more than people who devote their life to it because like devoting your life to something is one thing but having like a day job or something that grinds you that's you spend most of your time getting ground down by like and the fact that you have this thing that you choose to sink your free hours into i I think it means that is like almost more important to those people than it is to people who pursue it all the time i completely agree and also credit to count basty how many of those you know weekend only rappers would would by contrast be writing about you know escalades that they don't have whereas count basty wants to wants to bring his real life into this which is quite cool it's really good it definitely fits with like how personal doom feels like he's being with this record that he gets all these other like semi like very obscure rappers who aren't big name guests to do stuff that's personal to them as well i also like how when doom took aim at the nutritional downside of beef i like here when count basty uh looks at at the uh unethical farming practices of chicken where he goes sauce yes tyson is a foul holocaust hitler gassed your whole head up with poultry i'm fed up foul holocaust is such a good double entendre very good yeah great track so close to my top three really quality stuff Real winner. I wish I could put it in there, but I couldn't because I had to make room for tracks like this next one. My number one song on the record, One Beer. I get no kick from champagne. Mere alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why shouldn't it be true? I get a kick out of There's only one beer left. Rappers screaming all in our ears like we're deaf. Speaking of songs I agonize for inclusion in my in my top three, love this song. One of the first things I think about when I think of food didn't didn't make my cutoff, but wow, what a track. Really great. It's basically like a stream of consciousness rap about Doom being the one real rapper in the game. 
on which he like takes a lot of shots at the current state of hip hop. Yeah, I think and it's always a joy to listen to Doom do that kind of stuff. And this like might be the best example of it in his catalog. Yeah, you you can listen to Doom do this shit all day. At least I could. I, I do think definitely part of the reason why the the focus here is a little bit more all over the place is that this was originally done for the record that came out earlier that year, Mad Villainy, uh, yep. and was cut from that that record, which is insane to think because it's so strong. But I'm glad because I, I do feel like ultimately it feels way more food than Mad Villainy, even if like the writing style and the vocal miking style is a little bit more like Mad Villainy. This feels like an Um Food song to me. I agree. And it's nice to see Mad Lib pop up on this album too. This is like, this beat is right up there with all the best stuff that did end up making its way onto Mad Villainy. And I, I think like this album is very like Mad Libyan in spirit because uh, one of my other favorite rap records is by his uh, alter ego Quasimodo. Quasimodo the unseen and something that this record has in common with that one is they both feel like the rap album equivalents of like the hangout movie you know like a film with like very low stakes totally like a lot of like character work where you just kind of watch it to hang out in whatever world it's showing you and these these records these kind of records function the same way i think i love to have some doom singing here up at the top i always love it when doom sings with a singing yeah, he voice sings that, a cole porter song uh, he sings with a voice that uh, you could only describe as exactly what you would imagine it sounds like when mf doom sings <laughs> <laughs> but then these opening lines are some of the most iconic on the record there's only one beer left rappers screaming all up in our ears like we're deaf and and like you like you mentioned before this was like in the era of like 2004 pop rap so you had like crunk going on little john little john running around screaming his name at everyone yeah definitely i really want to look at these closing bars of the song because i think doom does something here that's kind of dazzling in a subtle way this is my favorite part of the whole song when when he starts comparing doing shows to bank robberies but then halfway through the metaphor flips over and now he's using bank rob or now he's using shows to describe bank robberies so like yeah he starts by describing describing his shows as bank robberies he ends as describing his bank robberies and shows so smart so cool he plots shows like robberies in and out one two three no bodies please run the cash and you won't get a wet sweatshirt the mic is the shoddy. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. Bring heat like the boy done gone to war. He came in the door and everybody on the floor. A whole string of jobs like we on tour. Every night on the score, coming to your corner store. I love how he goes from he plots shows like robberies to a whole string of jobs like we on tour. Like the, yeah. the focus of the metaphor totally inverts. I don't think I've ever seen that move before. It's so good. It's, it's very cool. There's a lot of really, really good lyrics all peppered thread here. I love uh, Study How to Eat to Die by the Pizza Guy, which is apparently a reference to Elijah Muhammad's pair of books, How to Eat to Live, which outline a specific diet for black Muslims like Doom. KRS-One, a fellow 5%er Muslim, references it on his song Beef Rap, which could have been on this... uh, uh, totally. This record where he goes, uh, he goes, read the book How to Eat to Live by Elijah Muhammad. It's a brown paperback for anybody, either white or black. When it comes to like, when it comes to Doom, uh, like just spitting stuff about how cool he is, I also like looser than a pair of Adidas. I hope you brought your spare tweeters. MCs sound like cheerleaders, rapping and dancing like redhead kingpin. Doom came to do the thing again, no matter who be blinging. Love it. 
Uh, yeah, one beer. Not shocked at all to see it in your top three. Classic song. I'm a big fan of this next one, too, even if it doesn't quite make my top three. Deep Fried Friends. As you call them, they call you when they need some Trees for the blunt, to G's for the front. I found a way to get peace of mind for years and left the hell alone. Turn a deaf ear to the cellular phone. Not only does Deep Fried Friends make my top three, this is my number one on the album, Trevor. Nice. That, that feels like a good pick for you. Like, I, I, I see it. If somebody asked me, what do you think is the best song MF Doom ever wrote? As of this recording, my answer would be Deep Fried Friends. I think this is the work of one of the most creative people ever to do things in my lifetime. One of the best writers in hip-hop history, who, working at like the absolute top of his game with total confidence in his craft. And here's where we start to really kind of get this surprisingly, you know, relevatory autobiographical writing on the record. Which, which again, is something I don't think people think about when thinking about him food, but it's so good here. Yeah, it's a very, like, pointed take on manipulative friends and how little Doom trusts other people. And, of course, he has, like, a lot of very funny commentary to offer on the matter. But, like, the song also has this really hauntingly paranoid atmosphere, which acts as, like, a good counterpoint to some of the funnier lyrics. Owing in part to this beat, a very good flip, in my opinion. Let's take a look at that main ingredient. This is from uh, the title track from smooth jazz saxophonist Ronnie Law's 1977 album, Friends and Strangers. Yeah, there really is just like something so melancholic about that break, isn't there? Totally. There's something that's like so woozy about it, especially because he is doing some like speed shifting that makes it feel like you're listening to kind of a wobbly turntable, you know? It's it's probably the biggest grower of the beats on this record for me as I've reapproached it for this review as well. Yeah, it's kinda it's kind of a sound that makes you uncomfortable uncomfortable to hear it. And like when it's paired with that sample from Friends by Houdini, which is of course that main vocal sample that keeps repeating, how many of us have them, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it really just compounds the effect and makes it like a lot to take in. And it speaks, you know, this this is a song that speaks to Doom's kind of secrecy in the very private life that he lived. And I think it's a real manifesto. Can we look at some of the bars on this? Definitely. I've got a couple I'd like to name. You want to go first? Sure. I, I like... Uh, Friends is a term some people use loosely. I'm real choosy on what I choose to let crews see. You're telling me, I try to act broke. Jealousy, the number one killer among black folk. Love it. Makes me think about how Doom, you know, he's always would be seen wearing these like shitty old flannels, you know? Yep. And like, it's just subterfuge so we wouldn't know how rich he was, man. <laughs> I like the advice he offers early in the track when he says, I found a way to get peace of mind for years and left the hell alone turn a deaf ear to the cellular phone i love right after that send me a letter or better we could see each other in real life just so you could feel me feel like me a like steel, steel knife. knife at least so you can see the white of the eyes bright with surprise once they finish spitting lies chills yeah very good so good i think my favorite part on this though like the most like mind-boggling piece of writing is in the the very last verse here 
Some come in the form of codependents. A lot of times they only end up being codefendants. Ten bucks say they tell for a lower sentence and leave you up under the jail begging for penance. It don't make no sense what happened to the loyalty. Honor amongst crooks, trust among royalty. I'd rather go out in a blaze than give them the glory. And then the sample, how many of us have a similar story? Just incredible. That's really great. I love the way Doom incorporates the vocals from the Houdini sample into the verse. I really love how conceptually that ties into a later song from the album, uh, Rap Snitch Knishes. Yeah, uh, speaking definitely. of lyrics that do that, we also get a shout out to the guest who appears on that one when Doom says, I first met Mr. Fantastic at an arms deal, which is like really funny as well because he's talking about the rapper, Mr. Fantastic, assumedly meeting him at an arms deal, i.e. some uh, a deal where weapons are being sold. But he's also referencing Mr. Fantastic, the leader of the Fantastic Four, who is known for stretching his arms very far. And then he's doomed, so it's kind of like this great double entendre. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. The dude was touched with divine inspiration. His pen was a fucking chainsaw. I, this this song is like, I think it's, it's some of, if not the greatest writing the dude ever did. I love it. Another of my favorite outro skits at the end of this one, too, especially that sample from the 1970 movie Watermelon Man which I learned is a movie in which a white bigot wakes up one day and becomes a black man. Yeah, kind of in the Putney Swope, you know, weird new cinema, let's talk about race films of I, the era. I love, I love that line he samples, though. Villainous, don't be silly. I know who my friends are. And the next nice neighborhood I move into, you guys will get crack. <laughs> I also love, I mean, this is classic Doom stuff, but I love when that lady screams and then Doom's like, what have I done to myself? My face, it's hideous. Very good. <laughs> Very Negro good. humor always escaped me. That's uh, that's like such a head turner of a drop, too. Like, Yeah. Speaking of drops, now we move into, when I say that this is an MF Doom album that has a very distinct shape, a lot of what I'm talking about is what's about to happen here. I tripped a lot out here in the woods lately. Uh, this is a platter of, this makes a, an exceptionally good late night snack, and also a dandy fly swatter. Oh yeah, this is something that's always kind of thrown me, the fact that there's this very long, like, you know, Operation Doomsday had a bunch of skits based on like Marvel read-along comics and cartoons peppered throughout the album. But here, Emma Doom really like just kind of sandwiches them all in the middle. But he really made a thing that kind of progresses progresses here. It's a Plunder Phonics like sketch suite here in the middle of the record. It's like a big collage. I gotta say, I love this whole run of the record. I think it really helps give M food, like M food, its its own distinct shape and feel like it's more than just a collection of like doom beats and verses with this food concept. And I also think it shows a lot of growth in terms of how Doom was conceptualizing putting his records together at this point, having now cut you know a few Stone Cold classic records. Uh, it has a main character in the form of that hillbilly from that electric company. Uh, sample who keeps telling you about all the things he eats out here in the woods. That guy's great. I tripped a lot out here in the woods. He's great. Uh, yeah. The main ingredient here, though, one of my all-time top five doom beats on this on this first song in the in the run, "Poo Putt Platter." Let's just listen to the flip, and then I'll tell you guys what it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
called Datura Stramonium on the uh, Special Herbs Collection. And it comes from the 1977 Fat Albert Halloween special. Yeah. <laughs> Delighted to find that out uh, in researching for this for this uh, episode. This hillbilly guy is definitely the MVP of this whole suite, though. He has a really funny, weird voice. Just all in all, uh, quite enjoy his presence on this little suite. I agree with you, though, like, even more so than him, though, the star of this first installment of the suite is definitely that Fat Albert sample. And, like, I think it's, for the longest time, I was very frustrated by the fact that Doom doesn't rap over it. Like, it's one of the best breaks on the album, and it's used in this, like, little, little comedy skit. And I think there's definitely something villainous about him doing that. You know, like, here's this great sample. You want to hear me rap over it? Too bad. I totally agree. <laughs> I I have since learned that it's like made its way onto not one but two other MF Doom produced songs. Uh the first one, which I really like, is uh showed up on this album by this rapper named Vast Air, which came out the same year, 2004. It was called Look Mom, No Hands. And uh it shows up on this song called The Supa Friends, on which uh Doom also does contribute a guest verse. So you do actually get to hear him rap over. You it. can it's very hear cool. Doom flow over to this beat after all. Box yeah. checked. Box checked. And then like all the way like way later in 2012, uh it showed up on a an MF one of two MF Doom produced songs on this Joey Badass mixtape, 1999. I remember when the song this dropped. The question is called World Domination. I remember when this dropped. Joey Badass was like one of the first of the new school to really embrace Doom as a big influencer. I didn't know that, but I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't like that song as much as the Vast Air one, uh, which I, I really wish had made it its way onto this album. Vast Air would have fit in really well with all the other collaborators that Doom chose for this project. But it's cool that it's still out there and you can find it if you want it. Uh, after this comes Filet of Rapper. Whenever I'm expecting a lot of company, haven't had a lot of company in a long time, but if I were expecting some, I'd whip up a really uh, substantial meal. You see how strong I am? <laughs> From eating all of this stuff. Uh. Good, healthy meal like this. Its sample is from a 1966 track called Mean Lean by Jazz Flautas Herbert Laws. I don't think it's that interesting of a flip, so I didn't pull it to play, but I like it here for sure. Uh, my favorite thing in this bit is definitely that very square-sounding white guy who says, I really needed some food, something healthy like beets. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Which is like good wordplay there too, right? Because he's talking about rap music as if it's food. You know, something healthy like beets, a.k.a. the vegetable or... Yeah, you get it. Classic. This one doesn't do as much for me as uh, as Poopot Platter does, though. No. I also like that guy who goes, Pope Buds. Uh, then Gumbo. Gumbo. You gotta watch your gums on this. But it, it's, it's very good. It's very healthy. Not perfect for every situation, but edible rappers could actually beef up your next... Great flip here. Uh, on theme and very off-kilter, a Frank Zappa flip uh, from the song uh, Would You Like a Snack. Would You Like a Snack? That shows up in the uh, intro montage, yeah, too. Yeah, beef rap. Here's a little of that flip. Not 
perfect for every situation, but edible wrappers could actually beef up your next meal. The best dig that that Doom made on this record was finding that sample of those people talking about edible wrappers. What? Oh yeah. What that day must have been like when Doom found that clip. He must have been like, "I'm making this album because I found yep. this sample." <laughs> A real eureka moment. Lil Wayne always talked about this stuff too, didn't he? Eating wrappers. Oh yeah. I think I think my favorite part of it is when one of them goes. It's hoped edible wrappers will do a couple of things. Create a new demand for produce, stop throwing out as much garbage as they do, and eat more chitlins. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny album, man. It is funny. Uh, And then finally we end off this little suite with Fig Leaf Bicarbonate. I come up with a dandy glass of this bicarbonate of fig leaf. That'll set me free, I'll tell you. Uh, Edible wrappers may be in grocery stores as soon as possible now. You've heard of Good to the Last Drop? Well, your food could soon be Good to the Last Drop. Really had to do some digging to get the sample uh, on this one. It's from the devious Dr. Dumpty from the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon. This is another one that I would have sworn was from like an old kaiju movie or something. I know, let's, this one especially. Listen to this. Just see Ghidorah like walking yeah, through just Tokyo. Some big monster stomping into Japan and crushing a bunch of stuff. And I left this here. But I, you know, Doom is teaching us that these Spider-Man cartoons have pretty legit scores. Like, damn. I guess so. Uh, funniest bit on this one for me is definitely uh, here's an interesting note: artificial colors, yellows or reds. Let's focus on the red. In addition to FD and C red number forty, the FDA has approved certain food coloring additives. Some are actually poison. I really like the whole Sesame Street Roosevelt Franklin Elementary skit in here. Leave it alone. It definitely speaks to like how so much of the food that's talked about on this record is is being portrayed as impotable. You know, like poison for you. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of fake rappers out there. Yeah, we. I mean, we had that ha- how to eat to die by the pizza man. You do get the feeling that Doom is pretty down on unhealthy eating on this record. I mean, the dude had a gut, but I think that was probably more owing to the fact that he drank beer like all day every day. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably what did it. I could see him otherwise being a pretty healthy guy. But this gross, like, you know, manufactured, impalatable food, it lends the album a really good aesthetic, you know, like just grimy, greasy, disgusting food. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's a great metaphor for the superficiality of uh, pop rap. And we're done with this suite. I've been really curious to find out, like all week, Trevor, where you've kind of come to on this next song, Concarne. Darker than the East River, larger than the Empire State Where the beast who got the barbed wire gate is on the job, not my fate Tired of the wait till the villain bring deliverance from the dire straits Fire at a higher rate I've had a bit of a little a little bit of a journey with Concarni, But ultimately, it has wound up as my second favorite song on the record Oh, so glad to hear it, so glad to hear it A song that this one really opened up to me on this revisit I mean, Me too It was definitely in, in the running for my top three But I remember really bouncing off this one a lot in the past yeah i didn't i I don't know if i'd say i bounced off it but it was definitely one that never like really grabbed me it's it's kind of like i feel like there's three like distinct stream of conscious songs on the second half of this record and this is the first one but it's also the most like substantial because it finds 
Doom really reflecting on his past and like his history as an artist, his persona, his relationship with his late brother. The hard days too. Yeah. You know, those those years after KMD fell apart when, when his life was so chaotic and he was living hard, there's a lot of that stuff on here. He dedicates the song at the end to his brother, Sobrock, and it's kind of easy to see that this what the song is doing is like tracing his path from from the death of his brother forward to his success and just saying, like, I wish that my brother could see what I what I eventually managed to do here, you know? Yeah. Once I really honed in on that, it became, like, a real standout for me. I love how surprisingly vulnerable he is on this song. It's a real departure in tone from everything else we've gotten so far. Like, he's mainly been cracking jokes and taking swipes at the rap game. Rap game. But, like, this song really feels like he lets his defenses down. It's the one song on the album that feels like it's not by Doom the character, but by the guy playing the role. Yeah, like, Deep Fried Friends still feels like it's in the mode of, like, a kind of a smack-talking Doom song, even though it's more vulnerable. This is, like, purely vulnerable, you know? Uh-huh. And the fact that the beat is built around a sample of a song by Sade which is like one of Doom's favorite artists and the first one that he sampled on Operation Doomsday, that like only adds to how personal the song feels. Let's hear the flip too, because he really transformed it. Let's hear that flip. So, you know, Sade music extremely slickly produced you know very expensive sounding doom does everything he can to kind of fuck this up in in the best way you know it's very assaultive almost maybe one of the least friendly beats on the record it's very noisy between those like pew pew pews that keep happening that snare he's using is so crashy and like the the sample's been like really pitched up and messed with he really doomifies that 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 shot a sound yeah, he makes it sound a lot grimier, but I, I love that he reached for the Sade on this one. It really feels like he's saying, like, okay, if I'm going to spill some deep shit about myself, I'm going to do it over my favorite band. And also on that Sade sound, she keeps describing her lover, uh, you know, comparing him to, like, different locations and landmarks. And so, as a nod to that, Doom does that at the first line of each of his verses on this. Like, on the first verse, he goes, darker than the East River, larger than the Empire State, which is very cool. It shows you that, like, this sample means a lot to Doom. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I want to look at the, uh, at, a, at a couple of bars that I love. You mind if I do it? Totally, do it. Yeah, I've got some that I'd like to read too. Get shot off that wide-eyed talk, and if he got if he had a pot, he'd still piss on the sidewalk. Can't take the street out the street person looking for the perfect beat coercion into heat bursting. They couldn't spot him on the spot date. Got the only tape that come with a free hot plate. That is great. That was the first one that I had in my notes. I really love that part that goes, uh, if he had a pot, he'd still piss on the sidewalk. That feels like such a such a great summation of like the doom persona and the fact that he's like honing in and like thinking about it on this song is really great like a a wild man in new york city great starving artist stuff here you know the idea that his tape comes with a free hot plate speaking of being a starving artist i really love as i reminisce never forget when i was very broke shot the henny straight couldn't afford to cop the cherry coke i've been saying that all week to myself yeah the joke (laughs) it's so evocative being there that Hennessy is way more expensive than cherry coke. I know, which is great because I mean he's an alcoholic; he's got to get the Hennessy, but he's mm-hmm. he's only scraped up enough to get it, so he can't get the chaser. He's just got to yeah. drink the Hennessy. And of course, we already kind of mentioned it, but the ending of 
this song is like one of my favorite moments on the album. Doggone it, do the statistics, how he busts lyrics, it's too futuristic for ballistics, and far too eccentrics for forensics. I dedicate this mix to Subrock, the hip-hop Hendrix. When, when that lyric really lands the song, and it makes me look back on how each of those verses start, and makes me think, oh, maybe Doom was talking about his brother. Maybe, yeah. And not himself on those lines about being, you know, darker than the East River and stuff. Yeah, maybe. I really like that ambiguity. That's something that occurred to me. Like after a couple sits with the song, it's it's a absolutely essential cut on this record. So close to my top three. Really happy to see it in yours. Really, really climbed up there. It like was not an easy. It was not an easy task to get into my top three on MM Food. So the fact that this song did it really speaks to how much it grew on me over the past like week and a half alone. Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about this next song being on this record? Guinnesses running desperately low on food. They were forced to turn back. Your voice sounds familiar. You know, I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, I do think it's like a very good, solid song. On the other hand, Doom doesn't rap on it. So, you know. Yeah, he hasn't had a feature since like eight tracks ago with Potholders and then he just doesn't show up on this song, which is kind of a bummer for me, especially over these last like couple of weeks when I've been so hungry for like just as much MF Doom as I can get my hands on. I, every time the su- song starts, I get this kind of sudden urge to skip. Like, uh, it's Guinnesses, okay. But then once I settle into it, I usually do have a pretty good time. It's a, it's a very, oh yeah, it's a very good showcase for for the main MC on the track, Angelica, aka Star the Fem C, who's doing really strong work here. Yeah, I feel like I, she was one artist that like I feel like fits in very well with the semi-professional vibe that the rest of the guests have i'd never heard anything else about her she seemed like a real mystery i do know that i do know now that she has like quite a bit of material up on her band camp and she seems to be pretty active on genius because i was clicking around the lyrics for this song on there i saw this too (laughs) she she dropped a lot of comments saying like all these lyrics are wrong i gotta submit them myself sorry i haven't yeah, it's, it's you do get the sense that Doom has really good taste in the bubbling under open mic MCs, you know? Yeah. The main ingredient here, if Doom's not rapping, at least he turned in a very quality beat. He flipped the very end of a 1970 funk song called True Love by Dayton, Ohio's Phase O. Let's hear that real quick. Let's hear it. Another beat that I'm honestly pretty frustrated by the fact that we don't get to hear him rap over it. Yeah, definitely. But so cool to hear that the sample comes from literally the final seconds of that song. Sometimes I think crate diggers tend to just like jump straight to the brakes and move on. But Doom's going to listen to a whole track when he's trying to find a, a loop. He's in it for the long haul. This song's kind of about like breakups, you know, like the the emotional damage done by them and, and the way we cope with them. Angelica's got good bars on here. Do you have any of her uh, her lines written down? I got one written down. Yeah, I'm a particular fan of uh, the first uh, line from her second verse. I should have deaded it from Genesis instead of hitting the Guinnesses. That's great. And I also like uh, also like later on, damn Jody coming with the okie dokie pokey poke. Steady rocking boats got me aiming for your throats. Sniper scope, weren't we supposed to elope? Proposed then you froze. I don't think that I can cope. 
you can tell that like Doom really respects lyricism like that. You know, like yeah, he must be going to these open mic nights and just saying like that girl's dope. I'm gonna put her on my record. Uh, I got here, simpleton. Life should really be a piece of entomans. Relationship strengthening, flower essence, penstemon. That's great. Uh, that piece of cake wordplay, piece of entomans is smart. And penstemon is a cool word to put in a bar. Uh, and now, Trevor, we're going to figure out what your flower essence is. Because I have here in front of me BuzzFeed.com's Which Flower Are You personality quiz. Oh, boy. And I'm going to proctor it to you. I actually love these kind of things. Okay. Would you describe your heart as being more guarded or more open? My heart is always open. I can be guarded about relationships. I'm guarded about almost anything. Or I think my heart is more tender than it is guarded or open. I think my heart is more tender than it is guarded or opened. Do you tend to take criticism to heart and let it upset you? A, I don't take a whole lot personally. B, guilty. C, I take personal stuff to heart. D, it really depends on who is criticizing me. It really depends on who is criticizing me. If it's someone you think is a joke, then you'll give a shit. Yeah. Although, you know, I will harbor it against them for the last <laughs> Yeah, you'll of my put life. it in the ledger, you know. Yeah. Uh, how do you know when you're in love? A, when we agree deeply about the essentials. B, I just know it in my gut. C, when we connect at a soul level. Or D, when we challenge each other's minds. I guess that's soul level one. Got it. Uh, do you know when you are being lied to? A, I am a walking lie detector. B, I'm a good judge of character. C, I got too much stuff on my plate to figure that out. D, I'm always shocked when I find out. I've, I've never, I've never related so much to an answer for anything as I have with, I've got too much shit on my plate to figure that out. Nice. Uh... How much sugar coating do you need when you get bad news? A, none. Give it to me straight. B, tact is necessary, but that's all. C, a little. I'm sensitive. D, I honestly don't know. Give it to me straight. You know, to quote the great ODB, maybe I like it raw. Cocaine straight from Bolivia when it comes to the bad news. Uh, what's your personal dating pet peeve? A, someone who has no ambition. B, someone who is overly jealous. C, someone who acts like they know everything. Or D, someone who is always on their phone. Somebody who is overly jealous. All right. Uh, does money matter to you in a relationship? Ooh, we're going to find out if Trevor's looking for a sugar mama. A, of course it does. B, I'm not too sure. C, a little bit. D, no, not at all. A little bit. Okay. That being said, if anybody, if any sugar mamas are out there listening, uh, you could you could DM me after the show. Howlingmonkeys at gmail dot com. Uh, what is the best source of dating advice for you? A. Books. B. My best friend. C. My intuition. D. Online articles or blog posts. My intuition. Although I do love the good online article or blog post. Ten signs that you have a sociopath for a partner. <laughs> Uh, Those are always fun. Finally, what is your worst quality? A, I am naive. B, I am bossy. C, I am very emotional. Or D, I am dramatic. There's no, like, E, I don't have one? No, there's no I am perfect. Sorry. Uh, I guess I could be a little bossy sometimes. Okay. Uh, the answer, you are a poppy. 
You love to learn and try new things. You don't like routine and get bored easily. You really enjoy helping others. How does any of that shit pertain to being a poppy? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that what they make heroin out of? Yeah. You know, process you and shoot you into my veins. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to do that with me? Uh, just for the record, I, on that quiz, got peony. You're sweet and caring with a heart of gold. You're thoughtful and empathetic towards others. You feel like that checks out? Not really. I mean, like, maybe a little comparatively to you, maybe. But in general, I don't know. Hey, BuzzFeed, get your fucking act together. Also, how has a peony got a heart of gold? Anyway. I don't know. uh, That wasn't a waste of time, was it? Let's (laughs) let's continue on to this next song, Conqueso. Give it a sec for the pain to start this wreck right here It ain't for the faint of heart They thought they saw the worst verse From the team of G-Men who seemed like nerds at first Yeah, this feels like the second of the three free associative stream of consciousness songs on side B Although I don't feel like this one has as much of an underlying theme as uh, Concarni does it, This is like a lower end of the pack song on the record for me I mean, I don't think it's bad. It's still good, but it's slightly more forgettable for me. If I had to pick one song to cut from this record, I'm not sure if I would pick this one. It still might be uh, Guinness's, because at least on this one, you get to listen to MF Doom rap, and he does as good a job as ever, but like, there's there's not a lot of like substance here, maybe. There's also just not a lot of fat on this record, so if you had to make some cuts, you might be looking here, but I do think that like mm food works perfectly fine without any cuts. Uh, yeah. I, I also think that it does have its own distinct flavor from the rest of the material on this record, which is cool. I, it's This is not a Doom beat. Uh, this is, uh, I'm not playing that source. I think it's from a track called Newscast One by a, some German corporate composer named Christian Chevalier. Probably my least favorite of the guest beats just on like a musical level. Um, yeah, it feels a lot more one note than the other ones do. But it definitely gives Doom like a platform to push his drawl up into a more kind of fierce, like agitated place, which is kind of a cool way for him to come back after like briefly disappearing from his own record on Guinnesses. Yeah, it is one of the faster, more aggressive songs on the record. And like always, Doom gets in plenty of great lines. My favorite is probably in love with Mary Jane. She's my main thing. Pulled her right from that webhead, well, lame brain which is a Spider-Man reference, but also a lyric about robbing drug dealers for their weed. Yeah, that's super good. It does kind of really feel good. like way more so than on Concarne and on that other uh, uh, you know, stream of consciousness song we're going to be talking about in a couple of tracks, that Doom is very intentionally kind of disorientingly switching topics like every couple of lines here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a real, a real like, I'm talking about this, okay, now I'm talking about this, okay, now I'm talking about this feeling to this um i like the the lyric uh one two microphone checker first learned to neck off a home ec home record this was back when he was like crib age is doom talking about being sexually exploited by his home ec teacher it wouldn't surprise me but you know he was he was such a player even back then that like he, he probably liked it <laughs> gross <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Cool style exercise. Wouldn't wouldn't put this on by itself probably, but I don't see the need to cut it. It's cool here. It's it's it stands out in terms of just its kind of vibe. I think it's also got a great ending too. When he hit the stage, it's like a gauge to the rib cage. Break the mic like a rock star. Break a guitar and jump off the stage like yeehaw. Like yeehaw. Yeah, this song was actually called yeehaw when he first put it out as a standalone single. He is the rhinestone cowboy. 
He sure is. He sure is. The original uh, Old Town Road rap country icon, MF Doom. But after this song, we get the address of some friends in New York and head to my third favorite song on the record, Rap Snitch Knishes. Yo. MF Doom. Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. Villain. What up, nigga? Hey, nothing. What's the word? It's cracking, boy. Same old shit, kid. Man. Rap Snitches, man. Arguably the biggest song in the whole MF Doom catalog, Trevor. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is one that kind of exists even outside of his body of work. Like, this is a song that has, like, made an impact on the culture. As evidence to that, let's listen to a clip from MSNBC's The Beat with Ari oh Melberg from 2018. Ari had a panel on to talk about the Mueller report, specifically this memo that was written by former NSA advisor the disgraced mike flynn one of the panel members then 66 year old italian-american sports writer and children's book author mike lupica offered this up for discussion we don't know uh shelby holiday and mike lupica always a pleasure thank you thank you thanks sorry you look like you have one more thought <laughs> who me i yeah. did i was just going to tell you that i know what you were thinking about mike flynn today it was the old mf doom line snitches telling all their business sitting in court and being their own star witness <laughs> you're making me look really you bad know, with my rap lyrics first of all Lupica, first Lupica for the win. <laughs> i'm so glad you played that because i saw it on the internet forever ago what's the story here there's this msnbc news correspondent who frequently like references like rap lyrics when talking about this kind of stuff on air is that right mike lupica he's he's a he's an old ass newspaper guy uh you know, something of a square, and I don't know how this became his running bit, but I'm so glad that he that he pulled a line from the villain's catalog. It's really good. I'm glad you played that clip on the episode. Are you are you going to play a little bit of uh, the song that the the beat is made from? Oh fuck yes, I am. Probably my favorite thing about this song is its unforgettable beat, and the origin of the sample is a real treat. Uh, it comes from a 1977 concept album by a jazz fusion keyboardist named David Matthews. No relation yeah unfortunately not that david matthews i don't want to say the name trevor i don't want to say it i just want it to unfold can we not say what it is sure go ahead Play let, it. It, let it hit him with the full impact here we go I'm glad this is like the second episode in a row where we get to have like a semi-mind-blowing moment surrounding a song about space travel. Who the fuck knew that on the uh, just on the other side of this unforgettable doom loop was such a great janky-ass cover of Space Oddity? <laughs> it's crazy. It's really nuts. <laughs> uh, this is from his his uh, his sci-fi concept album 
which was called Dune, and it and it featured a six-song suite based on that epic sci-fi novel Dune by Frank Herbert. The A side was that suite, and then the B side is just like a bunch of miscellaneous sci-fi covers. Like he does a version of Leia's theme and that very like messy space oddity. But the best postscript here is that David Matthews did not have the rights to use Dune in its title or like the names of its characters and stuff. So Frank Herbert sued him successfully, and the album was deleted by his record company. Still has never been released in the U.S., so if nothing else, this is a very impressive crate dig on on doom's part yeah that's that's pretty nuts who knew who knew the dune guy would be such an asshole about his intellectual property <laughs> yeah right is they'll never make a good dune dune movie just mark my words that one that's coming out this year is gonna suck yeah i don't think it's gonna be very good either we gotta talk about this song's featured guest though mr, mr. fantastic Fanta- can you do the honors of talking about this i've been waiting weeks to talk to you about mr fantastic so i had vaguely remembered that there was an internet mystery but like kind of forgotten it you brought it up this week about about how if you could have any like collaborator of a gorilla's collaborator on the show it would be mr fantastic i would give up an interview with damon auburn himself if it meant getting mr fantastic on this show and <laughs> finally figuring out who the fuck this guy is can you because nobody knows yes speak a little to this so mr fantastic what do we know we know that he's appeared on two mf doom related songs this this song being one of them and the other one is antimatter from uh the king Ghidorah album take me to your leader and that is the beginning and the end of what seems to be his entire recording career like he's been on these two songs nothing else nobody really knows who the guy is there are three prevailing theories, I think, none of which have been proven true. Okay, so let's let's look at some other things we definitely know. Okay. Um, one of them is that Doom has been asked about Mr. Fantastic in two different interviews. Let's look at what he said. Uh, in the first one, he said, he's a baller, used to be in New York, but moved down to Atlanta. Okay? All right. Then, in a later interview when asked, Doom responded simply, Mr. Fantastic no longer exists. Oh my god, what does that mean? I, that Doom is a fucking mysterious creature. But it's a big deal, right? Because if he's based on Doctor Doom... Mr. Fantastic no longer exists. A rapper based on Mr. Fantastic is like his, you know, arch nemesis. Right, but they get along so well. In fact, like, Mr. Fantastic's guest verse here is great, but like, I think his best contribution to the track is actually like, those ad-libs from the beginning and the end of the song. Like, Doom responds to them, and the two rappers just have this, like, really infectious chemistry. I've always gotten the impression that, like, the two of them weren't actually in the same room, and that Doom is just recording his responses while listening to Mr. Fantastic recording. But for some reason, that only makes me like it better. Right. It's just really good. And and the thing you get the sense is this: they're pretty lyrical bars. I know there's some open micers and some obscure people on here, but like this dude wrote a very good hook that everybody knows. Yep. He wrote some very good verses. So some of the theories I've heard is, well, he's just not a professional rapper and he doesn't have a career outside of these songs. That's one theory I've heard. Mm-hmm. Another one I've heard is that it's Rodan. Uh, from... I've also heard the Rodan one. Yeah. I've also heard some people say that it's Count Base D with his voice pitched pitch down. But I have really locked into my own theory. I think I know who this guy is, Trevor. Okay, what's tell me your theory, because you seem pretty sure about this. Okay, so on an on a Reddit thread about all of this, a very heavily downvoted user had 
had commented, I know who it is, but I can't say. And everybody started downvoting him. Uh, if you okay. kept expanding all of their additionally downvoted and hidden responses, eventually somebody pushed them enough to say, his real name is Derek. So I started Googling around for rappers named Derek from New York or Atlanta, because that's what we know about him from what Doom said. Yep. And I found one who goes by the name of Fonsworth Bentley. All right. I had never, I've never heard of that guy, obviously. So let's start with the sound. I prepared an edit that combines some of these rap snitch vocals and some of Fonsworth's solo work. And now the voice here is not a one-to-one match, but it's very close. And keep in mind that between uh, rap snitches and these clips I'm playing you is about eight years different. So, uh-huh. you know, change in style, change in confidence on the mic. Yeah. But let's let's listen to the side-by-side comparison of Mr. Fantastic and Fonsworth. Worth Bentley. Get the whole label sent up for years. Tight profile, low, like eight and paid in full. A track heavy cash, cut the game centrifugal. Mr. Fantastic, long way like elastic. All my life with twin clocks that's made out of plastic. Can stand up brown nosing nigga, fake ass bastard. I think they mind. She walked better, talk better, even smell better. I be like, what's up? She be like, whatever. That make me feel better. Last one was so nigga. Till I was like, never. Will you be my better? Here we're back in we're back in fantastic. According to him, when the D's rushed in, complication from the wild testimony was thin. Cause his man to go up off the boy hit him again. Lame rap snitch, nigga, even told on the Mexican. Rap snitches, telling on their business. Really wanna know my worth, wanna know my splendor. Before I deliver, gonna warn you, may avenge Masplenda, That's a very yeah, man. You know, you're right. It's not a one to one, but I definitely see what you're talking about. So I like this voice match. Here's the problem: this guy was born in Atlanta, and according to Doom, he started in New York and moved to Atlanta. So that's a problem, right? Except. The reason that Fonsworth Bentley is a name, the reason that he is notable enough to have his own Wikipedia article is his actual claim to fame. Fonsworth Bentley became introduced to America as a recurring presence on the 2000-era reality series Making the Band, hosted by Puff Daddy. Now, why was he on that show? Because for much of the 90s and into the early 2000s, he was P. Diddy's personal assistant and valet in real life. He was famous for wearing very nice suits and carrying an umbrella everywhere he went. Uh, and then in 2002, he quit and moved back to Atlanta. The timing is yeah. perfect here. I mean, very really, compelling yeah. evidence. I, I like. I I can't say like you've confirmed anything, but like it does really feel like you're onto something. Like you've got a pretty good case there. This is a front yeah. runner theory, in my opinion. I'd love to reach. I tried to reach out to him. He's really shifted gears into. I think he runs his own ministry now. <laughs> His uh, his solo career never really took off. He had just a handful of singles. And, like, I think a canceled album that he was supposed to make with Andre 3000 and Kanye West. Very weird. Wow. Wow. And now he runs his own ministry. Yeah, now he's he's a man of God. Fonsworth Bentley, man, come on the Fonsworth, show. though, please come on the show. Good Lord. Would love to know. <laughs> like Let's I said. Let's actually talk about this song a little bit, though, because it's a great song. 
it's a really it's a really good one uh doing no small part to how good that hook is i think like you know mm, food isn't like a, an album with a bunch of courses on it it never feels like but this is definitely like the best hook on the record i would say yeah that hook is definitely why i think it's kind of rose to prominence as a, as one of the big songs in the doom catalog um if the doom verse in this song were just a little sharper like if it was kind of up to the the level of the verse he wrote on potholders i think this would have had no problems cracking my top three it just feels like a slight step down doom's writing here yeah you know i have in my notes too that this feels like one of the more forgettable verses from doom on the album which is strange because I, I really do love it so much and when i sat down to analyze it like you know i knew this was going to be in my top three and when i sat down with it i couldn't really figure out like why because like the individual parts really don't feel like they're super impressive but something about when you put them all together and you add in that chemistry between the two rappers on the track it really is just like a clear standout for me chemistry is key the ad-libs mm -hmm. they're doing back and forth you know doom doubling him on some of those lines their little opening where they give each other's names all that stuff is like it's so friendly feeling and really makes you feel yeah. like you're hanging out in this song i love i love on the outro when mr fantastic says helen on the own cell and you hear doom go in the background it's a horror yo <laughs> another good entrance too when mr fantastic finishes the the hook and doom goes true yeah <laughs> really good also there is a good doom line here when he goes uh where no brains but gum flap he said his gun clap then fled after one slap <laughs> yeah definitely good really very good. funny and it it feels like something else we should talk about is that this song is probably more relevant than ever did you hear like late last year the state of maryland ruled that rap lyrics may be admitted in court as evidence of a defendant's guilt right i saw this because of yeah. that guy who was recording bars on the prison phone you know talking about uh, an unspecified murder that that seemed very similar to the murder uh, that he was standing trial for. I, of course, believe that the that this is an extremely fucking dangerous precedent and a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, what? Are we going to arrest Bob Dylan now for that, uh, that bank robbery he admits to in that one song from Blood on the Tracks? Come on. <laughs> exactly. I don't think so. Exactly, yeah. But, like, what a fun thing to look at in a song, though. It's just, like, people people telling on themselves in their rap bars <laughs> yeah and now you can officially be punished for it what a world we live in yeah great song great fucking song. really good song definitely rounds out my top three up next we've got uh the last of the records uh stream of consciousness free association tracks vomit spit <laughs> To be. You hear it in the sleep sometimes Blare it in your jeep so your peoples can stare at them rhymes Real rhymes, not your everyday hologram Even when ribs was touching, never swallowed the ham and here we are back into the stream of consciousness little trio of tracks uh, towards the end of this album. I do really like this one, though. I think that the writing is a big step up from uh, Conqueso. Yeah, the writing is better, and I also really like this beat, too. I would put this one pretty evenly between uh, Con Carney and Conqueso as number two in the well, series. Let's, let's listen to the flip. It's, it's the opening vamp from a 1970s song, Happy You Should Be, by Canadian soft rock outfit Mashmakan. Let's hear it. Lonely heart is beating inside. 
something about those 70s cheese rockers, Trevor. It's like they almost saw jazz rap coming and somehow made these perfect vamps to loop for these songs. They did these guys a lot of favors not knowing they were doing them. But yeah, I do love this beat. Uh, I, I also really love the kind of producer tag he drops too. That doom. That's like at the beginning and the end. That's a really cool, nice piece of punctuation at the end of his verse. Yeah, that's, that'd be a sick drop to have if you were going to produce something pretty cool. What are some of your favorite lyrics from this one? So uh, there is sort of a through line here. It kind of feels like Doom is kind of offering up advice and wisdom to the streets on this record to me. You know, not not like the most realized song conceptually, but maybe not quite as amorphous as like Con Queso or, or One Beer was. Sure. Um, okay, I got a couple I really like. Even when Riz was touching, never swallowed the ham. He'd rather eat a sand sandwich salad. It might need salt like your man's bland ballad. That's a good one. That is good, a good one. Good five percenter bars there. Uh, yeah. This one, though, my favorite. Sing it, bring it. Back to your laboratory when he's in his oratory glorious like a horror story. So tight. So fantastic. I like that one a lot. Uh, some of my favorites are, he busted in, blessed be the Lord who believe any mess they read up on a message board. If so, I got bridges for the Lolo. Same bitch ago, dry snitch into the popo. Excellent. The writing is so good. My favorite, my favorite part of the song though has to be towards the end. Where he says, side effects is similar to sugar pill. Whoever go next on the mic, he put a booger. Ill. <laughs> like, I love the thought of MF Doom at an open mic and finishing up his term, his turn, and then just putting a booger on the mic for whoever what gets it villain. next. What yeah. a villain. Real dastardly guy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we only have one more track on the record, and if you've been keeping track at home, you already know that Cookies is my number two on food. <laughs> One lonely evening alone home, end up with carpal tunnel syndrome. Here I am, no forgiving, happy backaches grown. I'm living off a little Debbie snack cakes. Oh, you had to pick this one, huh? You had to pick cookies. I sure did have to pick cookies. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of this. I think, you know, on our Danger Doom episode, we both really clicked on our analysis of songs like ATHF and Bats of Urine as like these extremely bizarre slash maybe gross songs that could really only have come from the mind of doom because you've got this virtuoso just expert level rhyme constructor and he's using his his gift to, to talk about just the bullshit that no other rapper would touch you know and i think that this is definitely a big analog for that kind of doom song yeah this song really fits comfortably into that category it's one that i never never really locked in on before all the times i'd listened to this album maybe just because like i was so overwhelmed with all the other lyrics that by the time i got to this one i was just kind of zoning out and and whenever i would sit down with it i'd be like okay this time i'm really going to listen to the lyrics figure out what this song means what he means by cookies and i never did and it turns out you were really missing out trevor <laughs> yeah it really hit me when i when i realized that this song is about like you know Jacking it to internet porn. Yeah, hoping your wife's not going to bust you. And then the cookies here, of course, are are sometimes used as metaphor for the women he's looking at, but also obviously a reference to your browser cookies uh -huh. that, you, that yeah. you, have to, you have to clear out if you don't want to get busted for the stuff you're getting into. Uh, okay, the, you wouldn't do it, so I'm going to do it. This first verse is so insanely fucking well-written. It's really funny and also like 
still stays on the personal beat that he's been on, I think. Definitely. I just want to read it in, in straight through because I think it's do it, yeah. genius. Let's just do it. Here we go. One lonely evening alone home, end up with carpal tunnel syndrome, and here I am, known for giving heavy back aches, grown and living off of Little Debbie snack cakes, supposed to be checking emails. All I got is messages from ass naked females. I don't know a Jenny. She said it's free and I won't owe her a penny, and that's the last time I saw her. But thousands of more horrors on online Gamora and Sodom. They got him with they curls out and got a better sales pitch than the Girl Scouts. I wonder what I owe her for a whole box of caramel coconut Samoa. Night, night. Uh, okay, honey, sweet dreams. Now it's time to get serious like peak friends. A metal handful. Wipe it on the quilt. Ugh. Wife, wake up, and I'm kilt over spilt milk. <laughs> okay, disgusting, but also incredible. What a genius. A grandmaster at play yeah. just making the grossest shit. <laughs> He paints such a vivid picture of himself as just like, you know, somebody who's like the ultimate ladies man. But now he's like married and settled down. And that part of his life has been reduced to like jerking off to internet porn after his wife has gotten to sleep and like hiding it from her. And that's him doing the wife voice, right? The off mic wife voice. That's him. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Probably. Yeah. It's so funny to hear him doing night And then at the end mm-hmm. when she's like, oh, gross. And then she's Go like, Go wash your hands. <laughs> Because no. <laughs> I've been looking forward to talking to you about the beat on this song too. Oh, because this is kind of a heartbreaker to me. A little, a little bit. This one originally, when the album came out, it had a beat that was sampled from the closing theme to Sesame Street. The 1970s one. It's not anymore. But back in the like cool days, Sesame Street had this really funky ass closing song. It was, you know, purported to be by the in-universe band Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, uh, it, it, it's pretty badass. Actually, can I can I play that for, for you? I picked a little section that ramps up into kind of a shockingly off-kilter, like, shredded guitar solo. Can we play that? Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah, there's definitely some some uh, perverse thrill that you get from listening to MF Doom rap about jerking to internet porn over the ending theme to, you know, Sesame Street, a children's <laughs> television show. Definitely. But fucking, I'm not going to blame Jim Henson because the man's dead and his family runs the estate. But the sample got fucking challenged by the Henson estate. And so the version on streaming uses this, in my opinion much inferior substitution beat. Yeah, I I initially uh, felt the same way, but while preparing for this episode and listening to the version that was on streaming over and over again, I found that it really grew on me. And by this point, I feel like it's almost more appropriate to the subject matter of this song. Like there's a real like dark and sneaky vibe to it that fits the, the the subject matter of hiding your porn addiction from your wife. 
I don't disagree with that, but but what I miss and what I think the original beat has is that it feels so much more like the closer of the record, you know, with it being an end credits theme and also just having this kind of like culminative energy. That's something I really miss in the substitution beat here. I think it just kind of hurts the feeling that Cookies is the end of food to me. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. The fact that there is an outro montage after the song is over definitely helps. But the original beat does make Cookies feel a lot more like a closer than this new beat does. Definitely. Although I love I love that that beef rap beat comes back in at the end. Like, it's cool that it's here. Yeah, that is, that's really great. And I do love the outro montage as well. I, I like that it kind of ends with him killing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, finally, once and for all, Doom kills yeah. Spider-Man. And I feel like we haven't really touched on them too much, but I really have liked all these Spider-Man and Fantastic Four samples that have been strong throughout the record. Mainly because you can do a pretty good job of following along with whatever the story was from that, whatever that episode was. You know, MF Doom coming up with a machine, taking it to New York, and brainwashing the world's leaders. While maybe, like, it sounds like one of his lower level henchmen was kind of trying to betray him the whole time. Yeah, it's very good. It's very Donald Trump. And it's it's got, it does give, again, I do feel like that this is the Doom album that has the most thoughtful structure to it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, you almost like get to watch an episode of Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four while you're listening to this album. And that's a pretty cool trick that he does. I think this is a great album. And I, to me, it's like, it's, it feels pretty firmly like my second favorite Doom album at this point. And I really would encourage our listeners to go listen to it for sure. Yeah, I would probably put it at the same place in my personal MF Doom rankings, like right behind Mad Villainy. Food really is something special that like no fan of this guy or anyone who's interested in like getting to know his body work better like should really deprive themselves of it feels kind of like it's his songwriting peak you know there's just there's a there's a level of quality here on the writing that's that's very very few mcs will ever attain in our lifetimes i i can think of few albums that do a better job of like painting a portrait of a character than this one does Rest in peace, Doom. We've it sucks. This sucks that this happened. Thank you so much for your incredible output. And like the other thing I really like about the fact that we haven't done Mad Villainy for our Rest in Peace Doom uh record, Trevor, is that we're now all but guaranteed to have eventually done three Doom albums on this show, which I'm so happy about. Oh yeah, and Mad Villainy will be like a fun fitting conclusion to that trilogy too. Yeah, it really is, you know, a bummer that the reason we did this one was because he passed away. But, you know, it's a real shame. There'll never be another one like him in the game ever, ever, ever. One ever. of a kind, one of a kind artist. Do you want to go uh, through our moments? moments? Yeah, let's talk about our three favorite moments, moments on mm Food by MF Doom. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I could talk about my third favorite moment. It was probably that run towards the end of one beer where he starts comparing his live shows to robberies and then switches to comparing his robberies to live shows. Let me quote from my document. Number three, when doing robberies as a metaphor for doing shows transforms into doing shows as a metaphor for doing robberies in those last couple of bars of one beer. We're hand in hand. solidifies that as one stellar moment on the record. My second favorite moment is when Doom dedicates a verse to his late brother Subrock at the end of Concarne. Get you right in the heart. Uh, my second favorite moment on the record is Doom nailing the Count Basti handoff on potholders. What, these old things? About to throw them away. Definitely a candidate for my moments, to be sure. My number one favorite moment on this record, though, would have to be 
the interplay between MF Doom and Mr. Fantastic at the beginning of Rap Snitch Knishes. Ah, what a great moment. Like, it's just, it's pure chemistry. My number one moment on the record, that beat, motherfucker. The yeah. Fat Albert beat it's on undeniable. Blue Putt Platter. What a good moment. It's undeniable. And he doesn't even rap over it. What a villain. Such a, such a, and like an electric company sample over a Fat Albert beat, like, Danger Danger Doom was such a no-brainer project. This dude loves sampling from that cartoon shit. Yeah, and he was really the best at it as well. So painful, still not coming to grips with the fact that we are truly done with the MF Doom material. I always dreamt of, like, you know, after his personal life settled down, that we might be in for one more big epic Doom run as an older, wiser man. Uh, It would have been nice to even get one more doom titled solo album and i'll I'll admit to having not personally investigated his later period collaborative projects as closely as i as i intend to uh in the future but hard one man real hard one real Real hard i can i cannot really think of another celebrity death that has struck me the same way this one has even artists like david bowie i mean like you could tell that guy was on his way out doom left us at like 49 which was just a real blow so young although i wanted to ask you do you feel like it would be a crazy conspiracy theory to maybe have a little bit of a suspicion that doom is still out there alive you know i don't feel like it is disrespectful to the man's legacy to to think in that line because his wife jasmine when she posted her like obituary for him on instagram she used this kind of language where she was like he transitioned on october 31st which like to me it just it just adds just a drop of that mystery to the whole situation yeah and i mean you know like considering tupac and everything like thinking that famously dead rappers are actually alive out there it's nothing new to the rap game but like if there was anyone who is ever gonna like for all intents and purposes fake his own death in order to like drop off the map MF Doom would be the guy to do it. And we know that there's a shitload of unreleased stuff out there. We know he had almost a whole second Mad Villainy record, like, written and in various stages of recording. We know that he had, like, this abandoned uh, uh, Doom Starks or whatever that project was with with Ghostface. So maybe we will be in for, like, a Tupac-like posthumous Doom catalog. I guess we'll see. I mean, I would definitely enjoy some more Doom material, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Wish that it were under different circumstances, but had a great time talking about this record with you, Trevor. Definitely one of the most fun times I've had talking about you and preparing for an episode of the show that I can remember, honestly. Absolutely. So much fun to go through. Uh, if you guys want to interact with us, you can always reach out to us, of course, on Twitter at Gorillas Fancast or at our website, HowLuyaMonkeys.com. If you subscribe to our Patreon patreon.com slash monkeys for only a dollar a month you get access to our back catalog of premium episodes um you can also follow my co-host and good friend trevor ickrath on twitter at trevor ickrath with all of those vowels taken out t-r-v-r-k-r-t-h and you can follow my good friend and co-host dylan flynn on twitter at dylan flynn Aww. dylan do you want to do you want to see what we're doing on the next episode are we finally going to be doing that we are 10 thing yeah man we're back into the gorilla shit let's review we are 10 the the canonical final cast brown contribution to gorillas i'm ready is this going to reveal everything will we have all of our questions answered we haven't talked about 
Gorilla's lore for a long time, I feel like. And I and you know, enough time has passed since we did it the last time that I actually am looking forward to talking to you about it again. Yeah, the fatigue has left. I'm ready to get hang out with our with our four lovable miscreants again. That's that's gonna be a lot of fun to revisit the boys, but for now, I've been Trevor Graff. I've been Dylan Flynn. And until next time, don't get lost in heaven. Demo he plots shows like robberies. In and out, one, two, three, nobody's please. Run the cash and you won't get a wet sweatshirt. The mic is the shiny, nobody move, nobody get hurt. Bring the heat like the boy don't go on the wall. He came in the door, anybody on the floor? A whole string of jaws like we on tour. Day night on a score, coming to your corner store. That's that one bitch shit exclusive. I love that beat, that's mad on the beat. Since retarded, 